Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. Today's episode was such a treat to record because I got to interview one of my favorite people in the short-term rental industry, and that is Mark Simpson, aka Boostly. If you have not heard of Mark, he is the goat of direct bookings. This guy knows everything there is to know about how to get more bookings on your own direct booking site, drive traffic through there so that you are not over-relying on Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, etc., And not just that, Mark is so knowledgeable with all of this and brings so much value, but he is also truly one of the most kind and giving and supportive people I've met in this industry. From the first time that I met him in person and all the interactions we've had on social media, he just is so willing to support people with nothing in return. And he came on today and I really want to promote his new book that's coming out and his last book. Please go support him. I will link them below. But if if any guest I've ever had deserves our support, it it's Mark. Without a doubt, he is one of the kindest people I've ever met in the industry. So I hope you guys love this interview and learn a ton about direct bookings. Before we jump in, I'm going to be honest. I told Mark that this was going to be a tough interview and I was going to give him the difficult questions because I am a direct booking skeptic. It's not that I don't believe direct booking works or anything like that. I know it does. It's not that I don't think that Airbnb doesn't have its set of issues. I know it does. But where I'm coming from is I always wonder, is the amount of marketing that you have to do to drive your own traffic How much effort, time, money, energy does that take to where is it really worth trying to compete with these big brands who are already bringing millions upon millions upon millions of monthly visitors to their site every month? So I came at Mark a little bit harsh today, but he was so willing to let me push back on him. And he definitely, by the end of this interview, you'll see he he got my wheels turning. So Probably 2023, I will be building out a direct booking site. I think he got me there. But I really hope you guys enjoy this interview. Um, if, if you've been kind of skeptical like I have, I hope that I asked the questions that you've sort of been thinking of in the back of your head so you can hear his responses on whether it's really worth it or not to pursue your own direct booking site. Enjoy. Mark, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, share your story of how you got started in vacation rentals, and tell us about the book that's coming out? I will definitely, definitely do so. Before we start, I just want to say Airbnb Hall is one of my favorite things in the world. So thank you so much. It makes, it, I laugh so loud or I, I just, my mouth is open wide when I listen to it on Spotify when I'm driving in the car. So just want to get that in. I'm a big fan. Oh, Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, my name is Mark Simpson. As you can tell from the accent, I'm, I'm across the pond in uh, in England. Uh, I, um, I, I was pretty much born into a 200 acre farm stay bed and breakfast. Um, my parents, all the way through the sort of the 80s and, and the 90s, um, were sort of sort of visionaries in, in our little village because they saw that the decline of farming was coming in and they thought, well, what can we do to help sustain this business? And they pivoted to a farm stay model. The farm stay was really rare back in the 90s. Now, everywhere, you go anywhere in America, Canada, UK, Europe, and there's a, some form of... Um, glamping or accommodation business on a farm some way, shape or form. Uh, but back in the 90s, it was rare. And they they tore down a barn and they put 14 or well, 10 bedrooms in. Later on, they put another four. And then they added in some holiday cottages. And like, I grew up in this. Like, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I was making beds, going to school, uh, coming home, doing an evening meal, oh, that's so uh, changing cool. beds at the weekend, which is <laughs> awesome. And I was just so used to strangers always being in my house. Like it was, it was so bizarre. We had strangers in my kitchen every single day. But when I went to a friend's house and played, and I was like, "Well, where is everybody? It's so <laughs> quiet here." So, um, but in my teens, I just wanted to do one thing, and that was escape. I wanted to, I wanted to travel. I wanted to be a soccer player, but. You know, I'm I'm crap at playing soccer, so I uh, I became a coach, and then that's, that's when I came to America. Um, I did seven years traveling. I got my H1 visa, so it was five months there and seven months uh, back in the UK. And I I had, I had an amazing time. Met so many people. Traveled to every state, including your state. I love Southern Cali. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there. Um, I, I you know I almost moved to Long Beach, which is a a long story, a long long time ago. But um, 2009 came back to back to the UK. And that's when I fell into uh, marketing and sales in London for a company called Yelp. I think they're still around. Oh, um, yeah. Big review site. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the big thing. There was Quipe back in the day. Now it's Yelp. Um, and But then in 2012... That's so funny, Mark. Me, I, almost, I almost worked for Yelp out of college too. Oh, there you go. See, <laughs> small world. Small world. And uh, yeah, so then in 2012... Me and my wife and my eldest, Alfie, who was like one at the time, he's now coming up to 10. He, We moved back to the family business um, because I'm the eldest of four and they wanted one of us to come and help get everything online because my parents were still doing everything with a notepad. It was still Tipex and pen and paper, which was crazy, seeing it was 14 bedrooms and it was three holiday oh colleges. Gosh. It was a lot of Tipex and Scratch for now and double bookings. And, you know, I came into it and I came into this with hair, you know, <laughs> and not anymore because I had to help get um, get everything online. So we did, we basically got 25 years of offline guest experience, word of mouth, and we, we got it online. We 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 got um, we got um, all of the things in place, property management software. We got listed on all of the OTAs, and, and most importantly, we got social media and we built an email list. And like, the cool thing is, is within 18 months. We're able to get to the top three ranked business on TripAdvisor in the northeast of England, which is which was a big deal in 2013. Yeah, um, wow. Our Facebook page was a, was the most locally followed uh, business independently, and our direct bookings, which is then we're going to talk about today, yeah. was around about 80 percent, and then 20 percent extra was o- OTAs, other sites, and okay. I classed Booking.com. Um, Expedia and Airbnb was a little up and comer at the time, 2015, 2016. Sure. They were like like a smattering, like 2% of our bookings, which is mental now seeing that obviously lots of people um, have, a, have a much, much higher percentage. And yeah, in 2016, I read a book by Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to wear that busy badge of honor, you know, doing all the work, working all the hours and that book opened my eyes. And so I was sort of opened my eyes to sort of virtual assistants and, you know, delegating and not having to do all the work. And because of that extra time that we built up and saved, I was able to go to local tourism meetings and local events in our Scarborough area. And at these meetings, there was rental hosts, there was hotel guest house owners. And um, we used to meet up once every three months and at these meetings, it was like a bit of a chance for network meet up, or just sometimes we'd go and, dig deep into conversation and topics. And one topic was on how we got bookings. And it came to the online travel agents. And I just thinking that, you know, you, you always like sort of position yourself in your business and you always think what you know, everybody else knows. And you sort of never take those blinkers out to sort of look outside the bottle. But at that question, at that meeting, it was like people were saying, oh, you know, I'm really annoyed at booking.com, Expedia. And I was just sort of asking people, well, what? are you doing to drive your own bookings, direct bookings? And they just looked at me with a blank expression. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so what help is there? And there was none. There was none help from the council, none help online. And, you know, there wasn't really, you know, podcast, YouTube. There wasn't anything like that back in the day. And there wasn't really any support. I looked around to see if there's anybody. And, and the advice was crap. <laughs> I was really out of date. And so I just thought, sorry, I'll, I'll create a Facebook group. And it's called the Hospitality Community. It's still there to this day. Um, it was created for literally my local town. I wasn't expecting it to become a worldwide thing. I wasn't expecting to be on podcast interviews and all those things back in 2016. But it, you know, I just every day my mission was to show up and give a help and advice and support. And because of that, people started to join from outside of England. And then it was like France and Germany and Spain and then Australia and then America. And before I knew it, we had a thousand members and people were asking the same questions every day, you know, 
Facebook, email, SEO, da 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 da, you name it. And so my inbox was like answering all the same questions, da 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 da. And I just thought, well, you know what? Why not just put this down and create a course? Let's just create summer. And that was the start of Boostly. That was it. In 2017, Boostly started. I created a podcast. Um, created a Thinkific. I used a, a, like a, um, a, an education platform, and then it just sort of grew from there. And over the last sort of five years, we've we've now got um, a website business part of Boostly. We we partner up with all of the big property management software tools. And now my goal and my mission is to help one million hosts cut down on their over reliance on the OTAs. And the more these years go on, OTAs just gets narrowed down to Airbnb. <laughs> so yeah. we come to today's episode yes. and where my goal is to help some or maybe one Airbnb <laughs> host to sort of see the power of direct bookings and, and you know, and, and why even if you aren't going to go to that 80% mix, how you can maybe just like shuffle in a couple of percentage, 20% direct, 30% direct and the power it'll have to your business. Okay. First of all, phenomenal intro. That is the most in-depth intro a podcast guest has ever given me. So you've got your, you you know your stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can tell you've done this before. (laughs) But um, I'm really, really excited to talk to you because I do get asked the question about direct bookings and full transparency. You know this, my audience knows I am 100% on Airbnb. I'm not even on Verbo, nothing. 100% Airbnb, all my listings. So I know nothing about this. And I told you before this interview that I was going to ask you some tough questions because I am a skeptic when it comes to direct booking. And I know I'm like, it's so funny because Mark, you put together an awesome Slack channel with a ton of the, you know, I don't know, top people in the industry from like top brands, CEOs, founders, and some of the influencers on the other side. And I think I'm the only person in that group that doesn't believe in direct booking yet. That entire thing is everyone talking about how many direct bookings they're getting. But I'm excited to talk to you because what I see a lot right now is a lot of people who started on Airbnb and now they're moving over to direct booking. You're opposite. You grew up in the world of direct booking and then the OTAs came into your life. And I think that you have a really unique perspective having been born and raised on this. So I'm very excited to talk to you. But let me tell you kind of some of my concerns with with direct booking. And if you can convince me, then you've officially sold it. What I obviously I get frustrated with Airbnb. Of course, we all do. Um, But where I defend them is I think that Airbnb democratized the ability for the everyday host. For somebody who just wanted to try this and even see if it was right for them, I how I got started was that my parents had a second home in Big Bear, Ski Town. If I had to spend hundreds of dollars and all this time to set up a direct booking site, I never would have done it. It was so easy. In 10 clicks, I was done. I was listed on Airbnb, started getting booking, realized the potential, and it was so easy to add other listings. So do you think that direct booking is a good option for people just starting out? Because I just, I never would have done it. I never would have seen the potential. So it's a very good question. And you are you are right. But it, it's the one kickback that I have so many times is what stage or what part of my journey is it right to build in direct bookings? And, and I say to everybody, it should be done at property one. But I will sort of add a little bit of context to it. There's There's two types of hosts. We've got hobbyist host, and then we've got the the pro host, let's call it. So hobbyist host can be falls in many different categories. It could be that you are a, a real estate investor. You heard about this magical thing called short-term rentals, and you've seen all the numbers that have been posted on your Instagram stories, and you're thinking, I want a piece of that pie. <laughs> and so you take maybe one of your properties and you sort of go, right, that is now no longer long-term. That is a short-term. And you are a hobbyist. Host, so you, you're not you're not massively interested in getting into the weeds of it day to day. Maybe you might work with a property management company. You may co-host it, et cetera. But at the end of the day, this, this interview is important because whoever you give the property to, you want to make sure that you are handing it to the right person, the right fit. Because at the end of the day, anybody can come up to you and go, hey, Mark, I see you've got this property. I can do this co-host and I can bring you in all this money. But you know, if you're going to check on it, to make sure it's actually doing the work. You want to make sure there's things that you need to spot to make sure we're doing it right, which is really important. Then what you've got is, like you say, yourself. You've got the one property. You're on the startup. You want to look after it yourself. You want to make sure that it's got bookings coming in. 
but you don't want to have to do with all the extra hassle of setting up websites, setting up X, Y, and Z. This interview is, and this podcast is really important because still what you've got to in, ensure is that moving forward in 2023, going into 2024, Airbnb isn't the same as what it was last year or the year before when it when it really got popular because totally the 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 the, the, the big overarching thing is that we're in an industry which is hospitality and hospitality is like no other industry that's out there we are in an industry of making memories you know you don't make a purchase on amazon and like treasure it for years to come and talk about it with your friends and families you do with hospitality mm-hmm. and i say this a lot there's a story behind every booking and the reason why is because we're in such uh, a hyped up demand industry where friends are reconnecting for the first time in years, family are reconnecting for the first time in years. People love to go on staycation, workation, travel. The only times when people properly use this thing and post on social media is when they've got something to show off about back home to family and friends and that's when they're on vacation, okay? So because of that, because it's so in demand, it's really, really easy to uh, generate revenue and income. And there's no other industry that I know that I could start a business today, take a couple of pictures on my phone, upload them to one or two websites and be pretty much guaranteed to generate income. That is Airbnb. We do website design. There's not the Airbnb of website design that I can go and list my business on and be guaranteed. I've got to do all of the things. I've got to build a brand. I've got to get customers. I've got to do referrals, marketing, social media, all all that jazz. So it's a blessing in that respect. Mm -hmm. But... The reason why this is really important is that it is also a curse. And the bad and the negative part of it is this. Number one, your business is always susceptible, a word that I cannot say, susceptible, (laughs) to the Thanos snap. And for anybody who's ever watched any Avengers movie, you will know what the Thanos snap is, is that within one finger click, he was able to wipe out 50% of the universe's population. And this is the power that Airbnb have over you when you are so reliant on one platform, because it could take any minor thing. So a minor thing could be you get a crappy review, or you get two crappy reviews, or you get three crappy reviews, and then your listing tanks. Your super host status goes, your listing tanks. Number two, it could be where you honestly and innocently have to cancel a guest's stay. You have to cancel it from your end. Again, Airbnb, big no-no. Then again, you lose your super host status and and your listing and your ranking could go. Those are some of the minor things. Some of the bigger things, and we've seen it this year, even with, you know, super hosts, ambassadors, um, John Hildebrand, this happened to him where he didn't have a certain setting in his listing and his whole account got suspended until he could rectify it. And neither him or Airbnb knew what was going on because it was a simple thing in the back end. And his listing and his co-host profile was down for a good six weeks. So that cuts out any revenue, any bookings or any visibility for, for a certain amount of time. Another thing that's happening is hosts are having an issue with outdoor cameras, ring cameras, yeah. whereas a guest complains and says, hey, there's a camera in my property Airbnb aren't taking a minute to sort of find out what the problem is. They're instantly knocking it down, suspending it, snoozing in it until the solution is rectified. And again, that could take days and weeks mm-hmm. to, to, to rectify around. And again, that is a problem because if that happens to you, then that's revenue that's disappeared down the chain. So this is why this, this is really important. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that what you need to do from day one is to go... direct and then build in the OTAs around it. It's about having a nice even spread. Now, as an investor, doesn't matter what you're investing, whether it's stocks and shares or crypto or whatever, you're not going to go 100% YOLO into a a, a dodgy meme coin on a cryptocurrency. You get told to spread it around. And that's what I'm saying here. So property number one, you list on Airbnb, 100%. Then you go and list on on Verbo because it's quite simple. Same, same, mix up. And then what you do is you've got something which is called a property management software that controls it. The problem is, and I see it so many times, is that you start off with Airbnb as your main hub. And what happens then is, say that you go and add in number two or number three or number four, or maybe you co-host number two or three, number four, you're building it all on the Airbnb land. Mm-hmm. And then say that you go and add in Verbo, you're linking your calendar with Airbnb. So that the more of the reliance becomes on a marketing platform. 
So what my my advice to everybody is, and this is why it's really cool, is that if you're maybe in the hobbyist host bracket, but you're then looking to move over to the next level, which is a pro host, which is a, which is like a, this is your business, this is going to be your career, this is what you want to do on a day to day, then it's better to start off at property number one because scaling and growing becomes so much simpler. I now speak to people who've got 30, 40, 50 properties and they've done it all on the Airbnb land and to untangle that spider web is so mm-hmm. much harder than if you start off from from property number one. So wherever you are in, 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 in the spectrum, it's really good, this interview and this, this podcast, because it will help you every step of the way. Okay. So let's talk about the cost associated with direct booking, because one thing that I, you know, back to just how Airbnb has democratized, that's just the everyday host can get on. One concern I have with direct booking is you're now paying instead of just your 3% commission that goes to Airbnb, you're now paying to start up a website. Um, You're paying probably a 3% to your payment processor, Stripe or whatever that is. Uh, You have to pay additional for your guest screening, although I know Airbnb doesn't do the guest best guest screening anyway. So I, I got you. Um, you have to pay for a pricing algorithm additionally, which again, I wouldn't use Airbnb smart pricing. So, you know, it's not apples to apples, but obviously with direct booking, you have to piece together every single part to make this functional. So what, what are the costs here? Is it worth it if you're only going to get 10% of your bookings from direct and everything else from Airbnb? How do you justify those numbers? So with the 3% number, that's really important in this answer to this question. With the 3%, I totally understand. But, 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 there's been some big changes behind the scenes and you've been lucky enough to find out about a lot of them before most. But what's been happening recently is there's a lot of um, angst towards Airbnb surcharges that are on the platform. Mm -hmm. And they've moved to rectify to change a lot of them behind the scenes. And obviously at the moment, there's there's a couple of charges. Um, You've got the the state tax that will never go away. But there's there's one little elephant in the room that Airbnb still have that it will only be a matter of time with the changes that they've made before they they remove it. And it's the one thing that really stops them from overtaking and capitalizing and monopolizing this industry, which is the guest service charge. Mm-hmm. So if you are a hobbyist host, if you are a um, a um, an independent host, uh, that means that you are paying 3% and then the guest pays a service charge. Now, the, the first sort of nod or the tip of the cap to Airbnb coming to move this and rectify this was when they purchased Hotel Tonight. When they purchased Hotel Tonight, it was their first nod at saying, hey, Booking Holidays Group, which is Booking.com, Agoda. Hey, Expedia, which is Verbo, Expedia, and all the things that Expedia own, we're coming after you. And in 2015, Airbnb... Oh, sorry, in 2017, Airbnb had 15% of the whole market. The prediction now is in 2025, Airbnb are going to have 60% of the whole market. Oh so not only are they playing catch-up, they are going to overtake Booking Group and the Expedia Group. And there's one little thing that's stopping them from properly doing that, and that's the guest service charge. There's loads of complicated reasons why behind the scenes, but it's mostly how they are going to connect from Airbnb to property management software and all the other third-party tools that they need to connect to. So this 3% that we're talking about, my opinion, it's going to disappear sooner rather than later. Eventually, what will happen, Airbnb will put everybody on a flat rate of 14% and they will eradicate and get rid of the guest service charge. Okay. At the, at the moment, they help, not prioritize, help in the rankings, the listings, that mean that the guest doesn't have to pay a service charge. And that's only going to become more present now they're getting rid of cleaning fees and yada, 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 all the other things they're going to get rid of. So when you take that into account, so there's no more 3% and everybody's playing a 14% commission rate per booking, I feel like even then, the hobbyist hosts will start to go, okay, (laughs) I'm paying 14% now for every booking that comes into Airbnb. What do I need to be doing to mean that I don't have to be so reliant. And I feel like then the 3% stripe fee or the, you know, whatever monthly subscription cost it would be to X, Y, and Z will not be such be such a big deal. Okay. Okay. Good answer. And I mean, I think you could also argue that hosts are already paying 14%, right? Even though it looks like that other 11 to 12 is on the guest side, that could potentially be 
That's obviously money the guest is willing to spend. That's not going to your pocket. It is going to Airbnb. So um, I, I'll no, argue I, against myself on that one that I think already we are in effect paying, you know, whatever that is, the 14%. Yeah, I think that when it actually starts to come out, well, you, you don't see it come out, but right. when it actually ends in the P&L, because at the end of the day, when you sort of cross over from, from hobbyist host to say, this is going to be your business, this is like one that you want to be, this is like the main core focus, you then start to think about scaling, growing, and who knows, potentially exiting. And when you start to get in that mindset, and then it really does, profit and loss becomes a massive part because that is the one of the core key factors that will track on, on growth. And so this is where... I talk about it a lot, but if you are, let's say, 100% Airbnb, even if even if we just do one thing on the back of this and you go and open up a Verbo account, like literally open up a Verbo account, have, have two accounts running because you've got different avatars, different potentials. And this is another thing that I, like, I wanted to mention as well, is that in 2023, there are now going to be a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of new listings in your area. Like, even if there wasn't the case in 2001, there's going to be so much more now. And the guest isn't going to be at such high demand as what it was on one platform, one platform being Airbnb. There's a lot of people now that are starting to go back on the cruises, for example. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people now who are going back in the hotels. But there's a lot of people, a lot of guests who are just pissed off <laughs> at Airbnb for yeah. all, the, all the reasons that we stated. And so... What we're going to find is that the next trend is there's going to be a lot of very unique OTAs coming up. For example, uh, there's one called fabstays.com, which is LBTQ friendly. There's a pet friendly OTA that's being launched mm. that's just focused on pets. Mm. You've got um, Furnish Finders. I know we talked about MT you talked about MTRs a couple of weeks back with yeah. um with the girls from 30 Day Stay. Yeah, like, Furnish Finders is, is going to be a you know it's going to be another one. There's, there's all these other little pocket OTAs that are going to be formed. And this is the crazy thing is that when I first got started in, in this world of like 2011, 2012, there was no instant book. There was no commission model. It was all you pay to play. So you had to pay an annual listing to be on these sites. And in a weird way, we're sort of going back round to that. So yes, there's going to be a tons of uh, potential um, bookings and guests on, on, on Airbnb. But if you're not multi-platform, if you're not visible on multiple locations, you are leaving so much money on the table. So this is why it's really important and cool and focused to start doing this now. So do you think because... Okay, I hear you. Definitely, right, you want to diversify your portfolio. You're not the first person to say that by any means. But my hangback personally in listing on multiple sites has been, and I, and again, I hear you. Like, I, I saw what happened with John Hildebrand. He's a fellow Airbnb ambassador like myself, and they just shut him down for six weeks, very cutthroat. And so there is a fear there. But I feel like I've kind of made a calculation that I am able to understand Airbnb so well and I know in and out every single setting on that platform. And I almost think about like the opportunity cost it would be for me to learn all these other platforms and have to manage 10 different OTAs to be on. Where do you see that trade-off kind of of, you know, it, is it really, yes, there is a risk out there that I could get booted. I'm confident if that happened, I'd get my account back. But, uh, you know, just kind of walk me through your thoughts on this, because there is a trade-off in having to be versed in that many platforms. Yes, I totally get. And, and this is the thing. Um, and, I, and I'm trying to find a better analogy, but I keep coming back to the kitchen sink. So when you wake up in the morning, you have a coffee. You know, we've both got kids and families. Mm -hmm. Everybody pours in, they have the breakfast, and you put it in the sink, Right. If you then don't do the dishes there and then, but you leave it and then you go and have lunch and then you pile up all of the lunch pots in the sink and you don't deal with it. And then you have dinner and then again, you pile up all the pots. You don't do it, but you leave it to the last thing at night. When you walk into the kitchen to do it last thing at night, you look at that and you go, oh, that is an absolute mountain. And you get overwhelmed and then you just go, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. And so you keep putting it off. And because you keep putting it off, it keeps building and building and building up. But you change your mindset slightly and tackle it a little bit. So after breakfast, you just put the pots away, do the dishes, put them in the dishwasher, empty sink. At lunch, again, same thing. You do the dishes, put them in the dishwasher, empty sink. Dinner, put them in the sink. And it's manageable, small, manageable chunks. So when you first look at it, you think, oh my gosh, I've got to do 
Airbnb, Verbo, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do that. But one thing that I feel is really important now in the age of 2022 going into 2023, we are massively in the world of digital nomadism. We're in the world of virtual assistants more than ever before. And there's a really good book for everybody to read, which is Who Not How. Who Not How will change your mindset on everything. Because instead of you thinking, okay, how do I have to get my business to where it's listed on 10 OTAs and I've got to set it up? It's who can I find to bring into my business that will help me get there? And all you have to do just to show how easy this is, load up Fiverr or load up onlinejobs.ph and type in, you can just type in Airbnb or, you know, Guesty or whatever. And I guarantee you will be people that pop up that help you get set up in this world. They'll be able to work with you on a one-on-one basis to get it all set up and they'll record you tutorial videos to show you how to do it or they can help work with you on a on a returner basis. I know so because this is what we did for our family business back in uh, back in 2016. So in terms of like the operational side of things, so where you're not dealing with the inside of working in your business in the weeds of it, you can work on it and figure out who, not how. And then if you want like a, a tactical book on how to do it, Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz. I'm a huge fan of that book. It's helped me not only recently, very recently, but it, it helped me a lot massively last year excuse me, last year with Boothly because it it helped me realize everything that I was doing in terms of hiring and delegating was wrong. And now we've put it into practice this year and it has, it has massively helped. So I, I totally get it. Even if a property one, you're thinking, oh, but then I've got to do the costs and all those things. Trust me, if you can find somebody for a couple of hundred dollars uh, a month, it means that you're going to be focusing on what you want to be doing, which, you know, if you want to be doing this, not as a hobby as host, but this is going to be a business, you're a business development. And if your time is freed up to be able to maybe bring on another co-hosting project or maybe even get involved in purchasing of a project and then tallying that up, it, it will, the return of investment is huge. Okay. Time and money. Yeah. So, okay. I want to follow this, uh, this trail a little bit. So we're talking about diversifying and being on all the platforms. I talk to hosts who are listed everywhere and I will always ask them how many bookings are they getting from each and across the board mark i always hear even if they're listed on multiple platforms everybody tells me at least 80 percent is still coming from airbnb and so even if you list on all these platforms how do you actually stop relying on airbnb if airbnb still came and shut any of these listings down still 80 percent of their business is gone so how do you actually stop being so reliant on them well this is where a lovely thing called referrals comes into play and starting to generate your own guest database and guest list. And this is the thing, is that you've got to at least try this, right? You've got to at least be able to be in a position where you can go, you know what, I tried verb or I tried whatever, it didn't work. And so my advice is you always got to be listed everywhere. It's just like with, with Boostly. I made sure that it was listed on every single social media. I listed it was, made sure it was visible absolutely everywhere. Every single marketing channel. I even brought in Amazon this year by releasing the book. And Amazon is a marketing channel for me. And I and I feel like this is the same thing with, with, with hospitality. So I went on everywhere and every single quarter I'm going, right, well, where is the 80-20? So what 20% of actions are bringing in 80% results. And whatever those 20% is, we dive deep down on and I just focus on them. And it's the same with our hospitality business. I was always experimenting with so many different tactics, with so many different little things that we could be potentially doing. Some of them worked really well. Some of them failed. Whatever failed, we just said, fair enough, we didn't do it again. And we focused on the ones that did. So when it comes to what what we're talking about here is that let's just say you're listed on five different sites right? And um, you've tried all the things and you go, you know what, Airbnb is still driving driving the traffic. Then what we need to be doing a little bit differently is, okay, so you, you're listed on the OTAs, but what entirely are we doing outside of that? And one of the easiest things everybody can be doing, and let's just say you're a host and you've got one property, you've got a listed on a, on a couple of sites and you've got a season under your belt. And I class a season as from January to January. That's a full season under your belt. You've had a you know, 365 days, 12 months, 52 weeks of guests. And let's just say, just for shits and giggles, you've been occupied 70% of the time. So you've got a fair chunk of guests that you could reach out to, anywhere between 30 and let's say 40 guests that you can reach out to. The first thing that everybody should be doing is tapping into everybody who has 
made the booking. And we're very lucky still with Airbnb that we get the phone number. We don't get the email address for obviously data reasons. They want that data, but we get the phone number. So what I would first and foremost be doing to everybody is I'd be going to each of them who's booked, asking a little question. Do you know anyone? So we hate Natalie. Uh, you came to stay with us this year. We, we massively appreciate your support of a, of a local business, a small local business. Um, we really hope you're doing well. By the way, uh, do you know anybody that is uh, looking to come and stay in Big Bear? Do you know anybody who's looking to come and stay uh, in this general area for vacation, whatever? Um, if so, please bear us in mind. We really much appreciate it. All you have to do is set up a group chat. If they book on behalf of your recommendation, we'll send you X in return. And X could be anything, Amazon vouchers, bottle of wine, whatever, just as a nice little thank you. And it's such a powerful thing to do, but we don't do it because people think of it as being uh, a bit uncomfortable. I don't want to really want to speak to the guests or reach out to guests. What if I turn around and say no? Yeah. But it is a, it's a new business tactic that works so well because you're not asking them for a sale. All you're doing is asking somebody who knows, likes, loves, and trusts you, they've already paid the money, they've stayed with you, they can pitch you, they know who you are, just ask for a recommendation. That's all it is. And, you know, some will say no. Some will say, sorry, I haven't got a clue, but that one person or a couple of people will turn around and go, yeah, I do actually. And guess what that is? That's a direct referral. That's a direct booking that they can then come back to you and, and, and stay with you. So there's so many little things, and that's just like the first one. I mean, I've got a hundred more in the book that I brought yeah. out, the playbook. <laughs> I so. want to interject briefly. So you guys, I'm being hard on Mark today, okay? Because I told him I'm a skeptic and everything, but I I respect like the hell out of what you've put together. Mark has an, a book that's out already, and that will be linked in the show notes. And he also has a new book coming out December, which I'll link how to pre-order that. But there are literally a hundred tips in there on how to move your own direct bookings, which actually leads me to my next question, because my next big hangup with direct booking is the marketing aspect. Airbnb is getting, I think, 58 million monthly viewers. And I see a lot of people who are struggling to maintain good occupancy and good rates on Airbnb say, screw this, I'm going to go do direct booking instead. And I always wonder if you cannot get in front of, if you can't succeed in front of 58 million people a month, how are you going to be successful on your random little direct booking site that no one has ever heard of? Break this down yeah. for me. I don't understand this. <laughs> so this is a, a prime example of the person who doesn't really understand their market, their property, and how to attract them. It's a massive part of the book. It's the first massive chapter of the book because it's really important because when you can figure this out, everything else just falls in line so smoothly. Everything becomes simple because let's say you've just got one property. You've only got 52 weeks of the year to fill. And let's just yeah. say you're doing a minimum stay of seven nights just for easy. And just say two weeks that you want to close down for repairs or whatever. That's 50, 50 bookings, 50 guests, 50 people. Out of 250 million, you've only got to find 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you live in a busy street, you can walk past 50 people right, if you really want to. So when you boil it down like that, it becomes a lot more manageable. Now, the problem is for that person, if they're not getting any bookings, is because they're doing the major mistake that everybody makes on Airbnb is that you try and appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. Now, when you appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. And look, I get it. Right? The reason why Airbnb is so... Um, beneficial to so many people is because it's so easy. When you're spinning every single plate from maintenance to cleaning to family to getting bookings to communicating with guests, all these spinning plates, if you can box off the marketing, it's just sat there nicely, great. But again, the problem is, is when you don't get bookings. So you've then got to sort of dial it down. And when it comes to your avatar, when it comes to your ideal guest, a customer avatar is fancy marketing spiel for your ideal guest, the person that you want to walk through the door more than anybody else. So you've got to identify who that is, then you've got to locate them, and then you've got to attract them. So let's just say um, for the identifying who that is. Now, for us and our family business, we were a farm stay property. We were 20 miles away from any major town. We were in the countryside. We had farm animals on the site. We had walks for days, views for days. Uh, it was lovely. We had families come and stay with us to escape the sea. So we identified that families were our ideal customer avatar. We, we realized that 
what, who we didn't serve was people looking for a, a party or a nightclub, you know. <laughs> you would come rocking up to our places on hills, it wasn't going to work. It was welly boots, it was farms, it was cows, it was sheep, so it was all that cool thing. So we identified who was coming, like who our ideal were, but we also as well, we identified who was coming to our area. This is another major part, is that people create properties and they create their listings and they create everything and their decor based on who they think is coming to the area, not who they know is coming to the area. Now, in our place, Scarborough, one in three businesses was a hospitality business in some way, shape or form. It was the second most tourist destination outside of London in the United Kingdom, which is crazy, but true. And we had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of families coming um, for their for their vacation and for their staycation, whatever it may be. And so we we tapped into the families were coming. We knew where they were coming from. Um, and then what we did is that we were then had to locate them. Okay, so where are they on the internet? Where are they offline? And back then we had to we had to incorporate offline as much as we did online. So where are they hanging out online? So a simple tip that we did, and everybody can have a free video on this. This is just for you, Natalie, just for your amazing oh, people. So go yeah. to boostly.co.uk forward slash listing sites, L-I-S-T-I-N-G-S-I-T-E-S. I will, will take also, you to I will paste link, that in the show notes. Please. And that will take you to an unlisted YouTube video. And on that video, I walk you through what I'm about to explain to you now. So you've got the over-the-shoulder view. So what what we did was we went onto Google and we go, okay, so if I am a family looking for a stay in Scarborough, what am I going to type in the search? Because whether we like it or not, everybody starts their search off on Google. They may end up at Airbnb, but they start it off on Google. In the booking process, there's five steps to the booking process. And when you pick up the playbook, I walk through each of those five steps in detail. But the first step is research. And they mostly start on Google. So what are they going to type in Google? So all I did is, in this video, I walk you through how I do it. We have a Google Sheet. And in that Google Sheet, I had 40 columns. And I just basically would type in loads of random searches that I think a family would type in. It could be places to stay in Scarborough, family-friendly accommodation in Scarborough. It could be Airbnbs to stay out in Scarborough. I just typed in everything on Google. And after every search, what I would do is I would look at the top 10 results, including the ads in the free section, and I would write down who appeared. So who was ranking? And then I'd do a little gate system next to it. So then a, a second search, third, so I do 40 different searches, And every single time I'm seeing who out of the top 10 search results is appearing the most. So again, the 80-20 rule. So let's just say, for example, uh, out of the top, out of 40 searches, it was Airbnb, then it could be Booking.com, then it could be Verbo, and then there could be a couple of random sites that I never even thought about. So that is locating. So then what I'm going to do out of those 40 searches I'm narrowing it down to the places where my ideal guest is hanging out. And that's on Google. So it could be these top five sites. So I located them. And then it's about attracting, which is the major part. So we all get told to go and have professional pictures done, which, you know, I laughed last week when I saw the Airbnb winter release. Mark. And you've got Brian Chesky <laughs> going around like this on his on his phone. And I'm just like... That mm. killed me. Oh my gosh, that video. If you guys don't know what Mark's referring to, when Airbnb released their new updates and Brian Chesky, CEO, listed his own private bedroom in his home, he's photographing it on his phone. And of course, I'm instantly like, huh, I tell everybody professional photos and here he is taking phone fake pictures. Then we found the listing and it's all professionally shot. Absolutely killed me. <laughs> maybe, we are the only that. people who would notice something like that, I swear. <laughs> we would be. We would be, definitely. But uh, but yeah, so anyway, you get told to do the professional pictures, which is great, 100%, absolutely recommended. But, the, but then what you've got to think about is who is looking on Airbnb? Who is looking on these listing sites? And you've got to think about your ideal guest. So if you are targeting families, large families, small families, whatever, for your farm stay property, the first picture isn't going to be of a bed. (laughs) It's not going to be a bed because you are selling the experience, not the bed. 
So our first image of our picture was a, a, a wide shot. So I call it the USP, your unique selling picture. It was a wide shot of the farm. And in the foreground was a picture of a Highland cow. And if you don't know what a Highland cow is, it's those ones with the big horns and the shaggy oh, hair. Yeah. They're very, very famous. And then in the background was our building and a big lake and you could see the view. So that sold the experience. Sure. Because that is who we were looking to, 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 to attract, right? And it was it's all about identifying, locating, and attracting. And the problem is, and the kickback that I get when I say this is that, oh, but if I then rule out X, Y, or Z, does that mean I'm going to be harmed? But no, because you've only got 50 weeks to sell. You've only got Correct. 50 bookings. Don't try and appeal to everybody, appeal to nobody. And something that somebody said to me way long ago is you've got to bury yourself so far down in a niche that there's no room for nobody else to exist. And that is where you really do start to succeed because when your avatar is sorted and when everything is fixed, your listing sites are sorted. You've got the copy, you've got the pictures, your website is sorted, your social media is sorted, any emails you send out is sorted. Anybody that you try to appeal to is sorted because it's nailed down who you want your avatar to be. Okay, okay. So you, so so basically your, um, you know, the question was if people are not succeeding on Airbnb and then they want to branch out as a direct booking, you're saying that there is a fundamental issue in that case with the listing itself. They're not reaching the right people. So they need to start with that. And if they get that in place, then they can be on any listing and they'll be okay. Or yeah, on any on any OTA to, and they'll be okay. Yeah, what it will probably mean as well is that the interior and the decor probably may need to change as well. So what are sure. they providing? So if they want to go all in, let's just say on this medium-term rental thing that's getting really popular in the States, right? If they want to go all in on that and say they want to appeal to healthcare workers, then... What they need to do to the interior will be those blinds. You're going to have to get those, those real blackout blinds yeah. because obviously the nurses and the shifts and the healthcare workers and the shifts is going to be different. They want to have things that are put in those properties that are different to maybe just an everyday stay. So you've got to really look at who your avatar is, who you serve in best, and how can you appeal to them. And what it may be, and it's a case of having just a look outside the bottle, right? Look outside the bottle and look at your properties and how does it best suit your avatar? Um, and there's so many ways that, 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 that you can do this. Now, there will be people going like, oh, sounds like a lot of work. I don't <laughs> know who mine is. But the cool thing is, is that your guests will tell you. Mm-hmm. So the easiest thing that you could do, if you've got a season's worth of bookings, just pick up the phone, do a survey, you know, just call them. If you've only had 50 bookings, brilliant. You've only got 50 calls to make. And just go, um, listen, um, really sorry. Just going to take one minute of your time. It's it's Mark calling from da 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 da. You stayed with us this year. I just want to say thank you so much for supporting our local business. We are really now we've had such a successful year, and we're really looking to kick on next year, and really wanting to make sure that we serve our guests as best as possible. Um, I've just got a couple of real quick questions. Do you mind? And you know, if you ask it nicely and honestly, and why you're doing it, most people will say, yeah. I mean, in America, people love doing this sort of thing. In England, they're a bit less <laughs> chatty. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's something cool because then you can survey the guests because when, it, when you do this, you'll survey the people that have already know, like, love and trust you. They've already given you the money. So it's like a load of open-ended questions. Who, where, why, what, when? So what made you make the booking with us? Like, what stood out about our property? What did you like about our property? Where did you go and visit when you stayed with us? Because this is another big misconception we have as hosts is that we feel like the guest stays in our property 100% of the time. No, they're only in our property 20% of the time. They're out exploring 80% of the time. So again, you don't have to do this to every single guest. If you want to do an easy route, just break it down to the 80-20 rule, which 20% of guests brought in 80% of the profit yeah. or 80% of the good reviews or just the people that you loved. Like Think about the guest that you instantly go, they were epic. I could be friends with that guest. And call that guest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just all about, like you're saying, it's more of an internal thing where if the person is really struggling for bookings, and I know we've seen a couple of tweets and a couple of Facebook posts in different groups about problems of X, Y, and Z, the problem isn't so much the platform, the problem is them. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to appeal to everybody instead of like really focusing on who they appeal to best. I just had, I'm going to interject with a little story. I just did a consultation with a host yesterday who her property is beautiful, but has a really interesting layout where it sleeps 16 people. And instead of one giant living room that can sit all 16 people, there's two living rooms on separate floors, uh, one on the first floor, one on the top. And each of them maybe can only fit like eight people. There's also two kitchens. And she was really concerned about listing it for 16 people and saying like, I can't even fit everyone in one common area. 
do I need to remodel the home and get one big kitchen and one big living room? And we basically work together to say that there are a lot of groups who would love the idea of that privacy. If two families book together, they can each go to their own separate quarters. You could have families book and have the kids go downstairs and game in their own living room and the adults hang out upstairs and can watch what they want. So all we did was tweak the description, the title, uh, the keyword, you know, the captions in her photos to just paint the picture that this is actually really ideal for certain groups. So I think what you're saying is spot on. You don't necessarily have to change your entire property, but you have to understand what makes it unique and how to pitch that to the right people. Mm, And how you present it. Exactly. In, in uh, you could say you leveled up their listing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she was thinking of it as like, oh, I love this property, but it has two separate living rooms, two kitchens. And I'm like, no, your property has two separate kitchens, two living rooms. That's great. You can really separate people. Mm-hmm. Some groups will love that. Um, okay, we've only got a few minutes left. So this is the final thing I want to wrap up on. And I actually think I need to have you on for a part two because yes. this was the episode that was convincing me and the validity of direct booking. Now that you've, now that you're getting me on board, let's have you back to actually talk about how to do this. But this is my final question for you. How do you actually get guests to trust a direct booking site? Because You know, and and again, I know we have our frustrations with Airbnb, but me as a guest, I feel very comfortable knowing that there is, if it turned out to be a scammed listing or a burst pipe when I check in, there is someone I can call and get a refund. Direct booking does make me nervous. How do you establish that trust with guests? Okay, so I'm going to give a I'm going to give an alley up to a sponsor of Boostly here, iPrac. So I hyphen Prac. They are a worldwide brand and they are accreditation service. And what this basically means for the guest is that when you stay with an iPrac trusted brand, if you turn up to a listing that's not there, a scam listing, iPrac themselves will ensure that you get situated and put up in another property. Um, no extra charge to you as the as the guest. Wow. This service has been provided exactly for that. The founder is a, a guy, British guy, lives in France. Um, his, his business is based out of Cannes in France. And his business all started because one day at the side of the road, he saw uh, a woman in tears with her kids. And they'd come to Cairns for, um, it wasn't the film festival, but some form of event, right? And they turned up and the listing wasn't there. Oh fake gosh. listing. And a holiday ruined. And he took that as a, as a thing to go, right, we've got to sort this industry out. And he's been disrupting that industry ever since, I think, 2014. And they are the leading worldwide global certification service and brand. And for a for a host to go on that service, it's less than a hundred, couple of books, less than a couple of hundred books a year. Okay. And it means that you get that badge. It's not a badge that you can copy and paste and put on any site. It uses blockchain technology that means that it is your independent key. And that is a really good way. Another good way as well is obviously um, on your direct booking website, you've got to put that social proof. Mm-hmm. So what I see so many people do, they do it wrong, they copy and paste an Airbnb review and they slap it on the site, it looks fake, whatever. You, there's some really cool tools now um, called Reperso, R-E-P-U-S-O, or there's one called Reviews, R-E-V-Y-O-O-S. Um, and what it does is it pulls in your best reviews from Airbnb, from Verbo, wherever, and it puts it on your direct booking site. And it only filters in the five-star reviews. Okay. So it just shows and gives you that social proof. One of the main reasons why people leave your direct booking website. So if there is anybody who has got a direct booking website that listens to this podcast and you're thinking, well, how come nobody books by it? Go and look at your website. And does it have reviews on the first page? Like 83% of people will bounce off your website if there's no social proof. And when they bounce, they go back to Google. And then once they go to Google, they never come back because they get sucked in the mousetrap of all these other OTAs and whatnot. So social proof is a massive one. And then have a global accreditation service. So i-prac.com. Okay. That's, that's how you do it. Do you have an affiliate link for them? Let's let's support you for shouting this out. Uh, no affiliate link because I've known Chris for many, 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 many years. But just tell him that Boosty sent him. And the next time I see him, he might buy me a beer. That sounds great. Um, Mark, next time I see you, which I think will also be in Nashville, I will also have to buy you a beer. And I want to tell you a really quick story, too. The first time I met you was at STR WealthCon in Nashville. And I thought you were going to hate me when we first met because we had already been following each other on Instagram and sort of talking Mm -hmm. through messages. And 
just because you're the direct booking guy and I'm all Airbnb, you had some reel that was like on my way to tell, to piss people off, to piss the people at Airbnb (laughs) off. You know, the one I'm talking about, you're like jumping and you're like on my way to go piss some people off about Airbnb. So I remember when I met you, it was at the touch stay trolley tour we did. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, he's going to hate me. Like I'm all in Airbnb. And I was so timid around you. And I was like, hi, I don't know if you know me. I was trying to play all coy. I'm Natalie. And you were like, Natalie, get in here. You gave me the biggest hug ever. And you were just the most like welcoming person ever. So I always Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan. I'm a a massive fan. And I love I love content creation that's done superbly well. And you do it superbly well. And um, my goal is to help. You know, Airbnb host at the end of the day be not so reliant. And so I I absolutely, my sort of um, exposure to America with this whole new side, I mean, I've been there many years ago as a soccer coach, coming back now, trying to um, talk about these these sort of things. It's really, really interesting. And I, and I love all of the kickbacks, all of the pushbacks, because I know I can help. I just got to explain it in a, in, a, in, a, in a different way. And so it'll be slow, be sure, but my goal <laughs> is to help 1 million. So I've got to slowly yeah. but surely, and one day I'll add you to that list of 1 million, hopefully. I think you will. I think this episode gave me a very big push. And I really do want to have you on for a part two to actually like practically dive into how you do this all. Um, And then lastly, Mark, just to wrap up, I just want to say like personally, a huge thank you to you. You are truly one of the most supportive people I've met in this industry. I know Tatiana and I have turned to you for so much advice with planning our event and you've been just the most giving person, like never ask for anything in return. And I, it's going to carry you very far. It already has. I see that so much. So thank you for being so generous with your time and coming on today. Everybody, please go uh, purchase his existing book, pre-order the new one. Mark is seriously the most generous person with help and advice I've I've ever seen. Uh, so what do we have? What's out already is the book direct playbook. And the new one is the Book Direct Blueprint. I will link both of those below. Um, But if you guys ever have questions, Mark, I'm going to get your DMs blown up right now, but reach out to him. He is truly the most giving person with his time and advice out of anyone in this industry I've met. Oh, please do. Yeah, no, I I would love it. I would love for um, anybody to, to reach out on Instagram. Instagram is my jam. It's the only app I have on my phone. I love it. And there's nothing makes me better. I love it when people reach out and just say, hey, I heard you on the podcast or I read your book and this is my avatar. Just, just, just send it through and I, I will look at everyone. I promise. I mean, I'm, I'm at that nice little level of following where it is still kind of low so I can reach out to everybody. In the future, if you listen to this in years to come and it has gone a bit crazy, <laughs> I promise I will get back to you. It may not be straight away, but I will definitely get back to you. Also, uh, Tatiana and I are working on Mark right now to convince him to give us some books for the swag bags for Level Up Your Listing Summit. So done, um, done and done. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Mark. And we'll have you back for part two soon enough. Thank you very much. And lastly, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, I want to read to you guys a review that a guest left for an Airbnb. And the host of this review took screenshots and shared this in a hosting Facebook group. And I just... You'll as soon as I start reading, you'll see why we selected this one. So this host says, Hey, everyone, not sure what to think about this review. I'm glad they left five stars. But what do we think about the commentary? Here we go. Martha wrote, lovely place. Communication and check in was a breeze and everything was so clean would definitely return and we left five stars. However, there are a few points of feedback we'd like to offer the host. Heated floors in the bathroom would make a huge difference. My feet were very cold on the tile. A bigger TV and perhaps surround sound speakers. I also would love a recliner in the living room, especially one with cup holders. The rug could be softer. I was disappointed to see that the living room sofa was not a pull-out couch. It wasn't a deal-breaker, though. I'd also recommend different colored drapes. The blue was a bit too bright. A navy or slate blue would have complemented the room better. A swinging chair or hammock outside would have been great, and a water feature. Not necessarily a pool or hot tub, but a fountain would be a nice touch to add to the yard. It would have been nice to have some bird feeders, too. I love seeing birds in the morning while I have my coffee. Speaking of which, some larger mugs would be recommended. 
Can't wait to come back soon. Martha? No. Are you kidding? You do not get to come back soon. What is this shit? Oh, I'm leaving five stars and it was great, but also let me critique every single point of your listing and not do it in the private feedback, but in the public review. No. No. Martha, I don't care that you left five stars. You are the Airbnb hole. What the hell is this? I I mean, fine. Like, if... I, I don't know. I mean, I think she's like really trying to be friendly and helpful. Leave this in private feedback. Send a message to your host. Do not put this in the public review. What is wrong with you? And also, what is she expecting? Like, she's she's acting like she's... I don't know. You guys, was she watching like some infomercials at night in the Airbnb and just started seeing ads for heated bathroom floors and bigger TVs and recliners with cup holders. Like these are such specific requests. Where did, where did they come from? I don't understand. I was disappointed to see that the living room sofa was not a pullout couch. It wasn't a deal breaker though. Did the host say it was going to be a pullout couch? And why would that be a deal breaker? Uh, I'd recommend different colored drapes. Would you? Would you now? What interior design school did you go to? All right, tell us, Martha. Huh? Which academy did you go to? Oh, or were you just watching like 15 HGTV shows in a row and now you're suddenly a drape expert? What the hell is this? And a water feature, not necessarily a pool or hot tub. Oh, that's nice. Okay, but a fountain would be a nice touch. It would have been nice to have some bird feeders. Bird feeders! If there were bird feeders there, then I guarantee Martha would be complaining about how much bird crap is in, is in the listing. Oh, it would be a better idea to remove the bird feeders so that there wasn't bird shit everywhere. Martha, you are not welcome back. I don't care that you can't wait to come back soon. No, all right? If you have so many complaints, don't bother coming back. Go make your own Airbnb. That's absolutely perfect, okay? We don't need you visiting hours and leaving reviews like this. You are the Airbnb hole. I don't care that you left five stars. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!